Hi, I'm Dan Krinas from the Leader of Learning podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in three, two, one. Hey, welcome back. Today I'm talking with Kevin Stoller. He's the CEO of a company called K12. That's right. He's also the author of the book, Creating Better Learning Environments, and the voice behind the Better Learning Podcast. And today we're talking about all the cool furniture that you should have in your classroom. Not those old desks that are just, you know, stick-in-the-mud type furniture that, uh, you know, been around since, I don't know, maybe old Tyrannosaurus Rex. (laughs) Okay, yeah, it couldn't have been, but hey, just a thought there. This is a good one today. Going to make you think about how you create a better learning environment. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Kevin Stoller is the co-founder and CEO of K-12. He's also the author of the book, Creating Better Learning Environments, and the voice behind the Better Learning Podcast. Driven by his passion for enhancing the learning process, Kevin started K-12 in 2009. Coupled with his experience in the contract furniture industry, Kevin has a BS in mass communications from Miami University and an MBA from The Ohio State University. Kevin is married with three kids, and though K-12 keeps him very busy, he still finds time to coach his three kids in their various sports. He also is involved in several civic and industry groups. One of these programs works with kids to foster creativity and entrepreneurship. In terms of personal interests, he still tries to find time for travel, sports, and getting to local concerts when time permits. The underlying mission and philosophy of K-12 exemplifies his commitment to improving the learning environment. Personally, Kevin feels deeply passionate about allowing kids to fail and learn how to handle adversity. Learning does not stop once they leave the four walls of a classroom, and experience learning is invaluable. Say hi to everyone, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Stephen. I appreciate that. Well, I'm glad that you're here, and I appreciate it. And it's uh, and uh, by the way, thank you very much for uh, um, we had a chance to talk before you reached out to me, and I got a chance to be on the Better Learning podcast, which I think is really cool. And uh, now I got you on with my group, so I'm uh, excited yeah, to have you. That's great, and I've been listening to your show. I'm a big fan, so honored to be able to speak to your audience and help spread the word. Because yeah, that's. Yeah, your intro is a lot longer than me than what I usually do. Usually, we say like we want to get create better learning environments. That's, <laughs> that's our goal. So I'm always trying to trying to reach out and and connect because re- I really am passionate about trying to do this, and our whole team is. And it's a uh, it's it's been fun seeing all the changes that have been happening over the last five ten years in particular. Well, very cool. The uh, you know there are lots of changes, and I and and before we get before I we start really getting into the details about uh, all that you do and uh, um, what your focus is in your bio. We talked a little bit about, I mentioned that you, you, you sh- make sure that you take time to coach your kids in their various sports. Tell us a little bit about what sports you like to coach. 
Oh, well, that's a different answer of what <laughs> I like to coach versus what, what I've helped out coaching. Okay, so let's, um, let's start with what have I, you I, had to help out <laughs> coaching? <laughs> Um, my first off, my rule with coaching is I never want to be a head coach. And I think the principals that are listening to us can agree. I love working with the kids on that. I love working kind of one-on-one in small groups. I just do not want to deal with the parents of it and, and the coordination of it. So the principals out there and, you know, and as well as the teachers, and that is, that, that's one of the things that I just have so much respect for. <laughs> A lot of the times I feel like the parents are the ones getting in the way. So, um, but I, I've helped coach soccer, um, flag football, um, and there, and then, um, really those are the main two that I, that I've helped out with, but I would, I really want to coach basketball and baseball. I did do a little bit of baseball. Um, but those are the two that I probably, the two sports I probably know the most about, but my kids have not gone that direction yet, so I've just been helping out with the sports that they've been playing. Well, cool. The uh, well, hopefully, maybe one one day you'll get that other journey into those sports that you like. But in the meantime, having fun with your kids, which is cool. So, so yeah. So tell me what you like most about interacting with your kids this way, because it's a little different when you're coaching them. <laughs> it is, you know what, and and it's definitely different trying to coach your own kids. Um, so I, what I like is is that really that one on one interaction. Where, you know, a lot of times, especially, and, and my kids are younger, my oldest is 11, and then I have a seven and a three-year-old. Um, but really that adult interaction, I feel like there, there's not a lot of opportunities for kids to have that other than with their parents. So teachers and coaches, it's just such a unique, really a gift to be able to work with them and be able to kind of get at their eye level and and be able to interact and try to teach them things in a way you just kind of keep them fun. So I just remember um, just a quick story of when I was coaching T-ball, um, I was a third base coach, which I love because I would just ask the kids just random questions all the time. And they just were not used to interacting with adults. So it was fun <laughs> seeing them kind of progress um, to being able to, to start having a conversation other than who's this weird guy asking me questions like what I have for lunch that day. <laughs> nice. Yes, that's uh uh, that that's cool. They uh, having coached uh, soccer for a long time. It's a uh, I understand what you're talking about. I I was a um, soccer coach, youth league soccer coach for a long time, and coached high school goalies. And uh, but the uh, my own kids coached them young soccer players, and and uh, and was also a scout leader. And so interacting with kids different ways like this is a lot of fun. And it's and especially your own kids, but it's neat neat stuff. You learn a lot, and it was funny because. Both my kids also then started playing basketball, and, uh, and like you were talking about a minute ago, I get there's no way I I want to if I'm going to coach basketball, I'm going to have to be an assistant coach because that's not a sport I know a whole lot about. I stand next to people and go, now why is that a foul? Okay, now what the what are they doing over there? <laughs> and uh, my son's uh, coach had something going on he said i really need a parent nobody was stepping forward he said i need a parent because i'm not going to be able to do next week's game and i need someone to step forward i can show you what to do and everything i said oh, what the heck so i went to him and i said i've coached usually sports it says just soccer he said not a problem so i i worked with him he worked with me showed me what to do all so <laughs> all right so come game time um it's funny because my son comes over to me and we were kind of struggling and stuff and i'm and i'm talking from the sidelines and things and my my son comes over and he goes dad this isn't soccer. You can take a timeout. <laughs> 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 I'm like, 
Oh yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry. I had to, I did tell yeah, that story. But... <laughs> especially since you want to be a basketball coach. I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, it's like, Oh, if only I had a timeout. Oh, I do have a timeout. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, so your kids are now to the point where they're coaching as well. Well, uh, now my kids are, uh, um, both, uh, my youngest is, uh, uh, just graduated with his undergrad and, uh, uh, my oldest is a couple of years out in the work world. So, you know, they, if they're going to do some coaching that, that might come along <laughs> eventually as well. So, but, uh, it's a, it's a different feeling when they're, they're graduating from college. Let me tell you something. <laughs> oh, <man>. Well, congrats. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. I, the, one of the weirdest things is, is, uh, all of a sudden you have all this time between, um, because also my, my oldest did marching band and stuff like that. And once, once the, you know, you, you spend your life either at uh, soccer tournaments or at uh, band competitions or you know, whatever. And then suddenly when it's gone, it's like, cause he, he continued that on into college. My youngest continued soccer, um, playing club soccer in college. And so you kind of had an extension of it for a while, but what's it, it's like, I don't know. This is, what's that weird thing that we have on the weekends now? <laughs> yeah. It's is it time? Spring time. <laughs> it's a it's a strange feeling. Anyway, sorry, I really digress here, but it's fun. Enjoy it, <laughs> enjoy it, because it's a blast um, being with your kids that way. So, let's get into start talking about classrooms and furniture. You know, you were mentioned in an article, and the article was written by Michelle Molner, and it was published on April nineteenth, twenty nineteen, in Edweek Market Brief, and it's titled this. When will K through 12 classrooms scrap those age-old rigid desk chairs? So let's start by, how about answering that question the title asks? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Not soon enough <laughs> is probably the right answer. Um, you know, like I, I try to gauge like what's the percentage of schools that still have that type of classroom furniture. And, and if you're not familiar with it, it's, it's typically that, the desk that is connected to the chair, um, they're really bulky, they're fairly heavy, hard to move. If you move them, they make loud noises. So they pretty much stay in one formation for the entire school year, of usually facing the front. Um, so I, I still think it's probably at least 75% of the schools out there are are still like that. Hi. I'm there with you. It's I've seen those rooms, and you know it's funny because it's it's uh, something that uh, and I it, you know I'm not so sure that people are going to scrap those chairs. It, you know I and one of the things I want to make sure that we get a chance to get into is that this is more than just something that you you might have a casual conversation with, right? <laughs> this topic of classroom furniture. Now, and that's what I think is is hard for us to comprehend is that we are my team and and we we have people around the country that are are focused to really challenge a complacency of what schools have been doing. And what's been cool is really the last three to five years, we feel like the the tide has turned, and it's it's very rare. I would say it, it has not happened in the last couple of years where anyone wants to buy anything new like that. And as we're leading workshops and having conversations and meeting with, with schools, there, there's definitely a focus on having more flexible, movable furniture to really accommodate different types of learning. So in our world, we feel like everyone's doing this. But then when we take that step back and start asking, it's like, 
really, it, it's still, we're still kind of at the leading edge of this. And, and I do think to your answer, I think over the next five to 10 years, it will be almost obsolete that anyone would, would even consider buying, buying stuff like that. Um, and, you know, and we're, we're not trying to bash anything. It, <laughs> it's just doesn't account. There are specific places where that type of furniture is good. Um, but nine times out of 10, it's not being utilized in a way that, that accommodates the best way that students can learn. You know, and it's, there's so much to that. It, it's just, it, but it's got such history. <laughs> and, <It does. laughs> and, and what's funny about that is that, you know, it, you can talk to a couple different generations. I mean, and one of the experiences they probably have that's a lot alike are those desks. <laughs> Maybe they're made out of a little different something, but pretty much those desks are, are a common experience. You know, it's funny because I, I visited a blog that you did that's on your LinkedIn. It's titled Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> and in this pl- blog post, you have shared images from some popular TV and film classrooms. And I think these may, I don't know about you, but they brought back memories to me. How about to you? Oh, for sure. And, you know, it was a good way for me to pull back all, all of uh, the movies and TV things that I had watched <laughs> through my childhood. It's funny because I looked through the, that list and even though there's a couple events in there that, I, you know, a couple different shows that I've never watched, but the, uh, but you see the common theme <laughs> and, and I, I thought that was uh, something that these directors and these, whoever were creating these uh, episodes or these movies, they didn't have, have to know each other nor talk with each other yet. They pretty much created the same set. <laughs> exactly. Every classroom looks the same. I know I'm, I'm actually kind of out, like trying to change that. <laughs> Like I'm pretty vocal about it. Like we need to change what that perception of what a classroom looks like, because it is, I mean, it's so ingrained in us that it's, you sit in straight rows and there's a teacher up front and it's just repeated in every, every where we go in the media to be able to see it. So it it, it was fascinating and fun to write articles like that, but it also is a, is a real issue in my eyes uh, of something that we, we need to address it. It's a little messed up, isn't it? Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because even though it's not there in your list, one of my favorite movies from the 80s is a movie called Teachers. And they show, you know, this this high school where uh, one of the, you know, all the classrooms, I have the desks in a row and the teacher either in the front or the back. And uh, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is uh, there's a teacher named Ditto and he sits at the back and they, they all sit with the desk in a row facing the other direction from him. And uh, <laughs> they just do dittos in his classroom. They turn around and turn them in, um, pick them up and go sit down and get them done and then turn around and give them to him. But, you know, there's that same classroom again, you know, it's, and uh, one of the things that I think uh, is just interesting and, and that I wanted to talk with you about is, so let's talk a little bit about where you're going with that. So what's wrong with that image? What's wrong with those images? Well, when we did the research and, and it really got into the fact that we were just working with schools and we were seeing more of at a very practical level of we see what's happening and we can see how the engagement changes when you look at the room. And, and I'm very open about this. This is not about furniture. I know I know that's where we spend a lot of time, but this is not about furniture. You can go anywhere and you can, you can do this without spending any money and utilizing what you already have. It's more about looking at that, at the space and designing it instead of just saying, this is my space and this is the way it's set up. I'm going to use it and I'm going to decorate the four, you know, the walls the way I want to, instead of looking 
edit and saying like, I am actually going to design this based on the curriculum and based on the learning styles of my students. And when we started seeing different furniture that immediately you put a different furniture in there and immediately changed it. We're now, instead of having just, you know, the, the front of the classroom where the teacher's speaking, it got to a point where now there was so much more mobility in the room. They were able to reconfigure from going into more of like a U-shaped discussion into groups of four or five and then break into testing when they needed to and have their individual space. But the biggest fascination to me was seeing that the interaction between the students that happens. And, and this kind of gets tied into almost like my coaching thing too, is that th you're surrounded by all these these kids and different students and teachers, but we're rarely actually having that interaction where we're looking at other people in the eye and being able to have really good communicative topics and discussions that foster learning because we all know that everyone has different types of learning styles. And unless your learning style is to hear someone repeating things and then they learn it, you're, you're not accommodating those types of learners because everyone's going to learn differently even by doing or by visual or by teaching it back to someone else or by having that social interaction um, that caters to those learning styles. That's cool stuff. You know, and it's, it, it's interesting because it's funny when you think about it, but I think if you talk with any adult who's ever, if they've ever lived life, they've sat in some of these traditional desks because <laughs> it's you can't go far without having you, you should be able to talk about that hey did you ever take a desk and one of, take a test in one of those desks you know because my least favorite were the ones with the little bitty desktops um you know where you barely had any space to write and if you're left-handed watch out man because you really didn't have space <laughs> okay let's find anybody have a left-handed table that's right the, I feel uh, bad for the left-handed ones yeah. <laughs> most definitely and but you just think about even just trying to move the desk around you know if you were uh, you know as a you know, I was a history teacher for nine years and, and I liked moving furniture around. I, I liked the idea that when the kids walked in, they'd go, all right, what have you done today? <laughs> you know, but that, that was a nice feeling, but at the same time, trying to move that stuff out of the way, because some of it, the, the ones that are completely attached, you have the desk, the seat and the little basket underneath those, some of those aren't very light and, uh, you know, it just gets better just having it all in the same place. I mean, what, do you run into research that talks about uh, just the confinement of the space, the the idea that, you know, you have to sit in there to, and you're expected to think even though you're stuck in this chair? For sure. And yeah, I can go on and on about the different research <laughs> and, and things in here. But um, I guess one, and we can point the resource to, but what's interesting is that there are other countries that have been ahead of the game versus the U.S. So a lot of the research, because we really want to see, because a lot of the stuff is newer here in the U.S. when we started doing this. But Australia is actually the one that's really kind of been leading the way. And what we've been looking at, the research that's been done there. Um, so there's actually a, a good resource. It's the Australian Journal of Educational Technology. It's ajet.org.au. And they have a series of different studies that look at this, that look at the engagement levels and, and um, how that space really is incorporating, especially with the introduction of technology into the classrooms, because that space still plays such a prominent role. So that's some of the research that we looked at. Um, but then you, 
it can come to the point where literally like you can see the difference. You can just walk. If you had one classroom set up kind of in the traditional setup, and then you have another one that has more of flexible and um, furniture that really kind of can accommodate the different learning styles. So they may, the students may have a choice of where they're sitting, um, whether it's standing height or, um, or wobble chairs or even sitting on the floor um, and being able to just watch how much more engaged those students are that the studies are, are there to substantiate that, but it, it's almost like you don't even need to do the research. It is just so obvious that you can see the difference. And, and that's the biggest thing and the best point for us is that when you can actually just see how much the kids are, are engaged. That's cool. That's uh, good stuff there. We got, and I just want to make sure that it was AJ. AJET dot org dot AU. Gotcha. Dot org. The dot AU. And I'll make sure that link is in the show notes for anybody who wants to go there uh, as well as we'll have a whole bunch of other links in the show notes a little bit later too. So let's, let's kind of get into a little bit about your company here. Let's, let's shift gears for just a minute. Um, So your company is K-12. Where'd the name come from? And can you talk a little bit about its mission and its purpose? For sure. I wish I had a better story for the name. Um, <laughs> when we, we started the business about 10 years ago, and it was, a, and it was a, another name that really had no relevance to, to schools. So as we you know, were, knew how much the internet came into play, we really were trying to find a name that showed that we are all about schools and education. And all the ones that, you know, we would normally want were, were taken up. So we, uh, we kind of started looking at the play on words of the K-12. And by doing the K-A-Y-12, um, we're like, oh, maybe we can have kind of a unique brand or have like this uh, ambassador. So we created this kind of cartoon um, of K, who was like the guru in the school. And um, so we, we've definitely evolved from that. I wish we, I wish I had a better story for that. Everyone asks, who's K? Are you K? And, <laughs> and we don't really have a K. That's funny. <laughs> but, well, I, I got to tell you, I'm sorry to interrupt, Kevin. I got to tell you, no, that's right. what's funny is, okay, now I feel dumb because I, I looked at the picture of K and I assumed that you had a K and then there's some reason for the 12 and duh, I just now, now as you're explaining, I'm like, K-12, kindergarten through 12th grade. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, it's like, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And, yeah so- and, and people either, people either really like it or people <laughs> really dislike it. So <laughs> That's funny. I think it's it cool. Is, that, that's, that's where we're at. But, but what really shifted for us is when we started seeing how much the furniture really changed the learning environment. And that's when our mission really became really clear of, you know what, this is not about just selling stuff into a school. Like literally like it, like we don't sell any of those traditional combo desks anymore because it would pain me to know that I'm selling this, this something that's literally going to stay into that school for probably two generations up to 50 years. And knowing that we, we could have done something that could make an impact. So our company's goal is that we want to impact 10 million students learning environments. And, and to do that, we need to be talking to a lot of people and showing them that there are different ways to do that. So our organization is, is all about really challenging that complacency. We do a lot of workshops and different seminars, um, the podcast, we wrote the book, and it's all about really spreading the word and trying to challenge people. Be like, okay, when is it time to get new furniture? 
don't just do it the same way you've always done it. Let's really look at, at what we can do and really start with that. Why, what are we trying to do and, and why does it matter? And, and to me, that's, that's why our team is so passionate about it because this is not about, that's not about furniture. It's about how do we improve learning outcomes and how can we can, how can we help provide tools to, to allow the teachers and the students to learn better. That's so cool. And it, and it's neat because over the years, you know, like I said, I taught history for nine years and at one place I taught, I was on a team of teachers. And one of the things that was cool was that I, I liked moving furniture around and I liked, you know, trying not to use furniture. And sometimes the kids come in and there'd be different things going on in the room and stuff like this. But I worked with one teacher who was really creative with this and he got rid of all his desk and he brought in what I would call basically, it made it look like it was like the family room sofa. He had a couple of sofas in there. He had a couple of recliners. He had some beanbag chairs and he had a couple of coffee tables. If kids really had just had to have a coffee table to sit at and, uh, and, and he did some really neat things like that. And what's cool is that, you know, it, it, you saw his, he was a very creative English teacher. And it, it, what was neat was that uh, you saw the kids get into this because obviously this is the way they probably read or, or did their work when they were doing their homework and things like this where they're lying on the ground or they're, they're exactly. leaning against the wall or something like this. You know, what, what I'd like to do is kind of talk about this because one of the things that was neat was in that school, we were encouraged to think creative, creative, creatively. There we go. Boy, that's a rough word. The, uh, do you think it's important for the teacher to be able to be able to be creative with their classroom setup? I, well, I always talk about this. There just has to be a champion for it. Um, you know, whether it's a teacher saying, I'm going to take the initiative and I'm going to do this, or if it comes from a higher level in the administration saying like, this is part of our, part of our mission and part of our, our long-term plan is that we want to create spaces and, and fill in the blank because every school should be different and every school is different and every classroom to some degree is going to have its unique aspects because we we've seen a lot of different ways from either you know like a teacher taking total ownership of it and they do create those different environments um versus it you know coming from the superintendent saying we are going to do this we are going to make everything completely flexible and teachers are not are no longer even going to have their own classrooms they're going to have to schedule their schedule classrooms so there'll be departments where the teachers have their own offices but their classroom is going to be different every time so every time they walk in there they're they're walking into basically a blank slate classroom so so it really does you know for us it's always talking about if it comes from a higher level you can get more coordinated but if we're looking at an individual teacher level all it takes them to take have the initiative to say i i don't think this is the best environment for my students to learn or this isn't the best environment for me to teach and say and be able to say okay how, how do we want to do it and once you kind of take that freedom of, of saying i don't have to do it this way that's when it starts really really starting in that creative mindset of saying like what could we do and and those are the moments that we want to help and be involved with and be able to provide resources and talk to them and say okay you're not the first teacher that has ever done this let us show you some examples that other teachers have done and even if we can con connect you and say hey talk to them and and this is what they do and this is what they liked and this is what they didn't like because 
for the most part, er, these problems have been solved somewhere else. You just may not know the answer yet. It's awesome. And I, I got to go back to that question you said, what could we do? I like that. Cause that's, you know, sometimes if you, you know, if you're having a little trouble getting people to, to think like this is a good idea or something like that, one of the best things I've discovered is that you, you get some of your most creative teachers to, uh, to be the example and they, and let them run wild with whatever's going to happen. And so you get a couple of them like that. And then what starts happening is some of the people start peeking their head around a corner going, maybe that's not so bad, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We, we always talk about that one champion. So whether it's the principal trying to drive the change and say, pick that one teacher that, that is already trying to do those things and enable them to do more. And you're right. it, It just, it just spreads. But we've seen that. I mean, we, some of our favorite projects are when the students actually drive it. Ah, cool! And, and that is really cool to see because um, uh, we we just worked with one um, actually in Cincinnati, Ohio, and and that was actually one of their class projects for the year was to redesign it to the way they that they would want, and it was really cool to see. And it was one; it was a great learning experience. Talk of doing like a project based learning type of project where you know like they had to do research they were worked on their computer skills because they were designing things out and um you know and then ultimately like we're going to try to make that a reality for them so it's they they get it i mean they they understand it so more you can pull pull the students in or or can even be like a a parent that just says you know what i want to take the initiative and and try to make a change here and in my kid's classroom that sparks it. That's so cool. Yeah, that's, you're so right. And, and I got to get you to go a little deeper into what you just talked about, because I, I was going to ask you, what are some of the more creative furniture setups that you've helped create? I mean, what's, what's something that really kind of stands out there for you? Yeah. So right now there's, there's a trend and we always try to define this for them because a lot of times, I, I don't know if you hear it, but we hear this, the term flex seating a lot. Yes. And when you hear flex seating, my first question back to me is, well, what do you mean by flex seating? Because in my mind, there's, there's two very different answers to that. One is what we call the ultimate flexibility one, where, where the idea is that the room can be reconfigured within 60 seconds, that immediately based on whatever the topic is, it can be reconfigured into discussion mode, to group mode, to testing mode, to just literally clear the whole room and have no furniture and be able to do some type of uh, activity or even get into like more of a makerspace. The other one, which I think is probably the more prominent one, we call for flex seating is we call it student choice, which is where you want to have four or five or six different options for students to be able to go into the environment that they're most comfortable for learning. So some some literally want to sit on the floor, some want to stand, some want to have like a wobble chair and have some movement. Um, others just want very traditional. We may have some soft seating or some, and when we say soft seating, we mean like like more of like a lounge seat or even like the couch type of, of setup in there. So, so when we get into that, we've seen really unique ones on both of those spectrums from the ultimate flexibility to, to the flex seating. And the ones that, that, um, that kind of stand out to me are the ones where the teachers fully embrace that into their curriculum. 
um, where they just know that it is that this that this furniture enables them to teach they want the way they want to teach and for their students to be engaged at the way that they that students should be engaged and um, so so some examples of that are the ones where they just have areas where like literally like they are working on the floor together hmm. um, you get into some of these classes and there's a teacher um, in Texas that we we've worked with and I actually I've had her on our, our podcast before but she has the saying of learning is loud nice. <laughs> and and she and you go in your classroom and it, it you 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 would think that there's like they're just so excited. It almost feels like it's like a playground environment, but that's what she wants. And she's teaching gifted students and saying, if I don't do this for them, I am like, I'm taking away kind of their, their special skills um, because they will walk in there and they will just start working on stuff. And whatever I'd set up for them, it, it doesn't matter because they're going to get in there and that room is going to be totally transformed to however the, the students want that room to look that, and at the end of the day, it may be totally different. It could seem like a total mess if, if a teacher wasn't okay with that type of type of uh, learning to happen. It's so cool to, to, to talk about this with you. The, you know, one of the things I've looked at some of the different chairs and some of the different couches and just the different setups, and some of them are kind of curvy. Some of them are a little more angles and you know lean against type things and uh looks like uh you know a little more some of them get into the formal looking like a chair um right. but uh, you got a little bit uh, where you you kind of have to use your imagination for those of you who remember the jetsons we might be going in that range <laughs> and others you know are definitely chairs uh, yeah. but but not the desks of, of old so well, some of the most exciting stuff actually has come in from Australia where um, we've been working with a manufacturer and they, they make these products that are like really lightweight foam, uh -huh. but they're very structurally sound. And they have all these different shapes that you can do, but they are so lightweight that literally the, the students can just kind of rearrange it, move it around. And, and it, it's fascinating to see them just kind of take it however they want. And sometimes they'll turn it into a stool. Sometimes they'll sit on it, something that has some rock to it. And other times, like they almost like become pillows for them because they, they're they using it um, in, in such unique ways. Um, and, uh, and it's been really fascinating to see that. Um, but with that, it, you do have to kind of break through that wall of, okay, you're not going to have 25 chairs and desks for every individual student. You have to accept that, you know what, there, there may be this zone where there's going to be six students here and it may be six different students throughout the class period. Um, or there may be eight, eight students at this table or around this um, standing height storage unit that's that's a good workspace where we can get four different students around there but uh, and that's part of the problem too that we need to break through even with the state standards sometimes states do have standards that they say we need to have 24 or 32 to like desks or workspaces for each student and you're so right. I mean, it's like that's something that uh, even the people who are writing that stuff, you got to go, wait a second. You know, can we allow some creativity to sneak in here someplace? Because, you know, it's, you know, is it really necessary that we have 32 
chairs. And, you know, it's funny because I, I've known, I've as much as I've worked with creative colleagues, I've also had some in my past who were not so creative. I had one who I, uh, because I, in the beginning of my teaching career, I worked in a very large school that didn't have enough rooms for all the kids. And so they created a floating schedule. And so I didn't have my own classroom. I floated from classroom to classroom. And one of the classrooms I floated into, that gentleman, he, he said, I want you to, sh- I want to show you something. And he had tape on the floor um, where each of the desks lined up specifically so that it kept it in this line. He said, I expect when you leave that every desk is lined up on that tape like they're supposed to be. <laughs> and I learned you made sure that that stuff was lined up because otherwise yeah. you spent a lot of yeah, time. Yeah, we, we've seen that too where, yeah, where maybe they'll call it like home base and be like, okay, you can go break off and do it everything. But then when I you know, like get everyone else, you go back to your home base <laughs> and, and have it that way. It is fascinating to see all the different ways. And, you know, for us, there isn't one right way and there, you know, and there's not wrong ways. It's just really trying to continue to to try different things and figure out what works best. That's cool. I I like that idea because then it really lends itself to that person uh, being able to have the kids uh, use their class space, how it it fits best with whatever's going on in the classroom. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to make sure I asked you is, how does a school go about working with your company? How do, how do they go about, uh, you know, starting to even start this conversation with K-12? Yeah, well, a lot of times, yeah, we're, we're um, interacting from different different things, whether because we do go to a lot of conferences and we do workshops and things like that. And so a lot of times that's kind of where it starts or it gets the ideas going. But our website's always the best place to go, and it's K-A-Y dash spelled out t-w-e-l-v-e dot com and we've actually added a free resource on there that allows you to do free space planning and renderings so if you just go on there and 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 request that that's a great place to start because so many people are visual and we have the software that's available so we said well let's just do this and and allow people to get some ideas going. So, th- so that's a good place to start if, if you're looking at the individual level, but, and then from there, you know, obviously you can reach out to wherever and have, have one of our local people come and, uh, and whether you just have a meeting or do a workshop for your staff, that's, that's a good place to start. That's cool. That's, that's good stuff. That's, and I've, spent a lot of time on your website and one of the things I like is you have this quiz <laughs> where you get to talk about your furniture <laughs> and, I, and uh, I like the there's one of the questions I forget which one it is it says you have these different choices and one of the choices is something about it looks like it's from 1976 <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I like that that was fun taking the quiz <laughs> so we try to keep it fun <laughs> it, it is well it's nothing like I mean I, I'm I'm the kid and I I'm also this way as an adult once in a while I just like to change up the furniture man so you get a chance to do that on your website and play with cool <laughs> types of furniture different types of furniture I guess I should say so good stuff yeah Anything, you know, what I'd like to do is kind of shift here for just a second, because we're going to come back to the furniture as we finish up. But one of the things I'd like to do is shift to your book. In the description of your book, this comment appears. At the heart of creating better learning environments, which is the name of the book, is the premise that students of all ages learn differently. And it is the job of educators to adapt to each student's learning styles. This book is a practical guide to help educators make this a reality through a proven process that many schools around the world have implemented. Let's talk about your book and why school leaders and teachers should take a read. 
Sure. Well, the reason we wrote it was literally we were working with hundreds of schools around the country and we kind of mapped out everyone. There is a very similar process to it, um, whether it's doing one classroom or an entire building. Um, and, and so, you know, like, let's share this knowledge. So when we talk about kind of that practical experience, we wanted to be very much of like, almost like this is how other schools have done it before and pick and choose, you know, what, what do you think you can do to, to work for you, for your individual situation? But that was really the premise of it is, you know, like we have all this, this knowledge from working with these hundreds of schools and every time the school that we would meet with, it would be the first time for them doing it. And which is really common because furniture doesn't get switched out that often. <laughs> um, so everyone, like it's a new process for them, but for us, it's, you know, like you see it over and over and over again. So we just kind of mapped out our process and then let's put this in a book format and be able to share it with whoever, because the reality is anyone can do this on very limited to no budget. And, um, and we kind of map that out within the book of saying, this is how you do it. Really starting with the why understanding how students learn, trying to figure out what is it you want to accomplish first and then go through the steps of being like, okay, find the champion. Are you the champion or do you need to get someone else? on board to, to help make this a reality and just being able to define it. And then, you know, like even to a point of our process of, of we always want to go in there before be, and, and work with the teachers before students get into that new space. So we can share examples of what has worked well and what hasn't worked well from other teachers. And then we always want to go back in there three to six months later and say, okay, this is great. What do we need to change? because we're never going to get it a hundred percent. Right. And, and being able to go back and say like, okay, this is different. We thought they were going to do this. Um, we have an example here in Arizona um, where we did some state of the art classrooms. They were just like really like one of the top ones in the country. And we went back in there three, six months later and they're like, we love it, but these things over here, we never use them. And we're like, okay, well, let's learn. Where can we repurpose those throughout the school and and do that? And one of the feedback too was that was the room was too crowded. It's so really like, okay. Well, let's clear some of this stuff out and uh, and be able to learn from it because it, it's it's a whole bunch of iterations that are it's a, it's a process. So there's a reason why we called it creating better learning environments. It's it's verbs. Every word of that was picked specifically. It's it's that we're creating. It's about being better, not about being the best. And that it is a learning environment. So this isn't a, this isn't the teacher's office. This isn't um, you know like thinking about what it is. These are learning environments, and it doesn't have to just be the classroom. It can be the hallways, the cafeteria, of really looking at how to utilize all that space for a true learning environment. That's awesome. The uh, yeah, and before I forget, because I'm going to have a link in the show notes to where they can pick up uh, your book on Amazon. But do you? When we were talking earlier, you said you might uh, do something for the audience, didn't you? Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate yeah you having us on the show and and your audience who's who's out looking to try to improve and and improve how their profession and how they do. So, uh, yeah, we we want this book to be out there. So we have a free copy for you if you go, and we'll put in the show notes as well. But it will be k k a y dash twelve dot com, and then slash Miletto, M-I-L-E-T-T-O. And if you go to that, you'll, you'll, we have a free PDF copy of the book. So 
hopefully it, it will help spark some ideas and, and uh, make some changes. Very cool. So don't forget, you know, just get your, your own uh, free PDF version of the, of the book. You got, uh, you will have that link in the show notes and uh, K-12 and 12 is spelled out and, uh, um, and that slash Mileto is in there. So, you know, go get your free copy and uh, take a look at it and uh, start getting inspired about uh, changing out that furniture. Cool stuff. So we've, let's let's shift gears again because you also have an audio podcast which i enjoy i'm a subscriber i, I enjoy listening and i'm looking forward to the next couple of um, episodes that you got going because you started telling me about who you got coming up which is really cool podcast is a lot of fun the better learning podcast and and you know like that really came from when we were done with the book a couple of years ago we we're like well we don't want to end kind of our education and we want to continue to add new resources the book takes a long time that took almost a year <laughs> to, to write and do that. We're like, and a lot changes fast. So we're like, how can we continue to have these conversations? And the fact that we, we're kind of unique in that we get to see not only um, the K through 12 environment and of public schools, private schools, charter schools, independent schools, but we also work with, with colleges and then in corporate learning. And everyone is really doing very different things within their silos. And that's been one of the one of the themes of the podcast is how do we share that information? Because a lot of times, you know, like the public schools may interact with their neighboring districts. Um, and the same thing with kind of the private independent schools, they kind of interact with with other similar schools, but be able but there's not a lot that's kind of crossing over. And there's some good ideas that are being implemented across the board. So that was that was one of the premise that that started the podcast. And now I now I just really enjoy talking to people about it. So, well, that's so cool. it just turned into really a fun thing to do. Well, that's cool. You hear your passion there, and you get uh, um, it's a great uh, great show. And I encourage listeners to check it out and subscribe. We have uh, it's a uh, um, it's a nice talk. Although you make your guess have to choose yes or no to a couple answers. <laughs> That's a rough one, man. We got <laughs> It's like how to make the uh, guest squirm. Uh, really? Uh, okay. Let me see if I, okay, no, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say yes and no. <laughs> that was, yeah. that, that was fun. But, uh, and which is cool because I'm not the only one who yeah. had to squirm through the, some of those answers. I know. So. Yeah. That, that right or wrong segment. Yeah. People either like that one or, or really don't like that one. I've had to modify it a few times. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I understand the, uh, but good stuff. So I encourage you all to check that out. I have that linked in the show notes as well. The, uh, what I'd like to do is, uh, before you go, before we close out, if someone wanted to connect further with you, Kevin, where would you, where would you send them? The website's always a good place. And then I, I mean, I, I'm not a big social media person, but actually probably LinkedIn is probably where, where I do the most. And I try to write articles and things, but yeah, if you just search Kevin Stoller on LinkedIn or, or Google, that that's probably the best way to connect. And yeah, and I'm, I, I love having these conversations. So, uh, anytime. Excellent. Excellent. I will make sure that is in the show notes as well. And I got two last questions for you and they go like this. If you had the chance to talk with 100 brand new teachers, what is one piece of advice you would want to give them about working with kids? Oh, um, see, this is when you make me squirm here with these <laughs> questions. I, mean, like, I have to come up with something profound here. Uh, but 
for me, it's just realizing like how much impact you actually have. And I think it's, I think it's really easy to get overwhelmed with just the job of it because let's face it, it's an overwhelming job to be a teacher. Um, but really those one-on-one discussions, those, those little side comments and, you know, the, the time where you, you know, like before or after class where you just genuinely look them in the eye and realize like they have a lot going on outside, outside of school and just see them as real people. To me, that that's, that's really what what's special and, and really where the privilege comes in of, of being teaching. Um, Cause let's face it there, you know, like if, if it's just delivering content, the world's changing really quick, but those relationships are, are what's really so important and make such a big impact. Very cool. Good stuff. So last question, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? Oh, so I do. I have Mrs. TD was her, was her nickname. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I, I think the privilege, I think she, and I don't want to, she was a great teacher, but I think the reason why she was so great is that she was given the opportunity to do some really creative things. It was a very much a project-based learning model before project-based learning was, was really a thing. And I just can specifically remember all these projects that I did in her class from creating a magazine to um, researching ingredients that were in our food and trying to figure out every, what, what all those words meant uh, and, uh, and how pretty much everyone led back to sugar and and those those projects to me are, are what stood out and really in, in and uh, you know I've just always been that way. I kind of learned from doing projects and doing more deep dives into a certain subject where it's a very hands-on learning environment. And she facilitated a lot of that, and I I would absolutely love to talk to her again and uh, thank her for what she did. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And Kevin, thank you so much for talking with me today. I've enjoyed it. I encourage listeners to check out your book, Creating Better Learning Environments, which once again in the show notes, you'll have the link to be able to go get the free PDF download. The Better Learning Podcast is an incredible journey. You get uh, get a chance to hear some really cool uh, um, discussion between professionals there about education. And uh, K-12 to get a good look at the way classroom furniture should look. So thanks again. Thanks for having me. Hey, have you got some thoughts, questions, or ideas? I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through my email at stephenmiletto at gmail.com. Stephen spelled with a V, and Mileto is M-I-L-E-T-T-O. And that's at gmail.com. Or if you're in the United States or Canada, you can call my Google Voice number at 478-353-5471. Love to hear from you. Thanks. Take care now. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.